Welcome in. May I be of the first to say good afternoon. And what a good afternoon it is. Sunny. Beautiful. You gotta love it. This time of day, this time of year. I love the fall. I wish it could be fall a lot more, you know? A little less winter, a little more fall, plenty of spring and summer. What the heck? Glad to have you here. Dave Rieger ready to go. Our producer, Brian Morton, pressing all the buttons. Danielle Mason did the warm-up, and Rich Luzinski will keep us on the straight and narrow and continue with this good weather. And if you can't always be with us noon to 2, you can be with us with the podcast easily at thegreatvoice.com. Look for the Paul W. Smith Focus Show. Press the buttons, and it'll send it to you every day. And then we can be with you every day. There's a lot going on, obviously. We've got a lot of people that we're going to speak with. Looking forward to Mike Rogers, a candidate for the United States Senate, but a guy with so much experience that he brings to bear with the world picture, and the world picture is pretty bad, pretty grim right now. We're going to talk about that uh, as Israel continues to get ready to launch their uh, ground war against Hamas. And there's a... Uh, you know, the longer they wait, the harder it's going to be. An immediate reaction would have been a justification. Now it's getting a little difficult, and they're organized to telling them not to do it, asking for a ceasefire. But the, the squad losers, the losers of the squad, I don't even need to mention them, uh, although AOC, is it AOC? Yeah, America out of control. The squad losers are blasting President Biden for his reaction to the bombing of the hospital that he just did in Israel just moments ago. Um, And he's following the information. Wall Street Journal has a story. I mean, there's a lot of people who have stories on how they think this went, and it doesn't show that it was an Israeli bombing. Now, no one's going to believe that, depending on what side you're on, but that's that's what they have come up with. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of lying on both sides all the way, and that's the problem of war, but that's one of the problems. But it occurs to me the squad losers, those four losers, um, I don't remember them having a strong reaction to the first reports coming out that children were being shot at point-blank range, beheaded and burned. I mean, that should tell you something about the squad. It was the Wall Street Journal who has a headline now that says, Palestinian Lives Matter except to Hamas. And I've been saying that from the beginning. Every life lost from that point on is, and the blood is on Hamas's hands. They knew what they were doing. They knew they couldn't do to Israel what they did and not get a massive response that would be massively bad for the Palestinian people. It's just unbelievable. I mean, some of this stuff, it's all horrific, but it just seems unbelievable, frankly. Anyway, we have a whole bunch of uh, different things going on, different uh, stories, uh, interesting people coming up. Uh, good for Michigan State. They uh, There was a study, and they found that, uh, that basically Michigan State did everything they should have done during that horrific uh, shooting that we're still living through and we'll never get over, obviously. We will have the interim president of MSU joining us. Uh, Marie Osborne will be here uh, taking care of business with a couple of interesting uh, stories in the news. 
And uh, I will ask uh, Madam President, uh, Teresa Woodruff at Michigan State, how excited and maybe even how nervous she is about the big football game coming up Saturday in East Lansing as the Wolverines of Michigan will go back to East Lansing. It is the first time they've met since the tunnel incident. And it is the first time these two teams have met while alcohol sales are legal. I don't know, Rieger, does that make you nervous at all? And it's a night game, so they've had all day to get, yeah, this is, um, quote-unquote, fired up. Yeah, I mean, so you've got a rivalry game. You've got a night game in East Lansing. You've got the first game after what happened in the tunnel last year. You've got Michigan ranked number two in the country and undefeated. And you've got alcohol sales legal inside of the stadium. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> I don't I mean, it's it's it's... How do I say this? It's going to be a tough test of character for the students of both universities and for the fans of both universities. I have no doubt they can live up to that test, that they that they can live up to that test. I just hope they will live up to that test. But all eyes, all eyes will be on them, including the police, who are stepping up. Oh, I'm sure they are. They are. I'm sure. They are having extra police patrols during the tailgating, during the game, right after the game, and uh, and we wish them well. It's a great uh, police force, and uh, we just hope that it now, all goes I will say so this. Well. If the yeah. game goes as Vegas thinks it's going to go, um most of the fans might be gone by, might be leaving early. So. I, I, I don't, I don't hold to any predictions based on uh, previous games or uh, standing. But I would like to hear what they are saying in Vegas. What are they saying? Yeah, like twenty three and a half point favorites for Michigan. So yeah, um, you know. Well, I don't yeah. like that because that that just shows up in the uh, in the locker room for the Spartans. And, uh, and you know, urges them on to do uh, an even better job. And, you know, these teams outplay themselves oftentimes. It doesn't always happen, but when the task at hand is huge, and some might say impossible, that's when some stars are born. Yeah, I, I don't right. know if that's going to happen. I don't yeah. know at all, obviously. Mm. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, 100%. Plus, it's a rivalry game, so some, a lot of times... You throw a lot of the numbers out. So all I, that's that's right, that's what they always say. You throw the record book out on a game like this. And it's true. Uh, but I have to say, I'm, I'm pulling for Dana White and the MSU police. And that's something we all can control by behaving. Both Michigan and Michigan State fans and students just behave, have fun, and make it an enjoyable experience for everyone involved, and not a bad one or even dangerous one. This uh, story, well, I, I got two stories here. The one story is the prosecutors want to recharge Alec Baldwin for the Rust shooting. I, I don't know Alec Baldwin. I'm, I'm not necessarily a fan of Alec Baldwin's, 
But when there's something that is so wrong going on, um, I have to speak up. And they are so trying to get Alec Baldwin in this case so they can get more attention themselves. So I would never uh, vote for these prosecutors if I had a chance to vote for them. They are doing this merely to get attention for themselves. They loved being famous for the moment that Alec Baldwin was under uh, threat of charges. And, of course, the lawyers love the amount of money that Alec Baldwin would bring to the case. But there is absolutely no way in the world that Alec Baldwin can be held accountable on a movie set when handed a gun by an armorer, a person in charge of that gun, and being told it's safe. The only way he could ever be found responsible for anything is if we find out all of a sudden that he brought live ammo on the set. Because whoever brought live ammo on the set is responsible, and the armorer is responsible, the person who handed the gun to Alec Baldwin, is saying it was safe. But Alec Baldwin, there's just no way to charge him with anything. The only reason they could be doing this is for the attention this will bring and make them more famous so they can write their books or whatever it is, and because he's got deep pockets. He's already paid out some money, but he's got deeper pockets. It's really sad, actually, when you see something like that happen. And there's more information about sad story of Mel Tucker. And if they would have just done what I said in the beginning, had a one-line statement that by his own admittance of what he said he did, whether she begged him or didn't beg him or was appalled or not appalled, doesn't matter. By the virtue of what he did and admitted to doing, he brought embarrassment to MSU. And in the contract... They could let him go for that without cause and without paying. That's all they had to do. They needed a one-liner. It's been pages and pages and pages, which gives the lawyers just more opportunity to keep going on and on and on about this. These are two separate issues, the one of his employment and the one of the Title IX case, which they can go ahead and do, although he didn't show up, as I understand it, what I heard. We continue here in Focus. Lots to talk about here on WJR. Another beautiful, sunny day, middle of the week, Wednesday, some call it hump day. Some don't, but if you do, it's a good one, that's for sure. Glad to have you here Monday through Friday noon to 2. If you're out and about, if you're ready to be a snowbird going to Florida, wherever you might be, get us on thegreatvoice.com, any time of day or night, thegreatvoice.com. Listen to the whole show, podcast. Thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure to have this next guest, Mike Rogers, Michael J., an American former law enforcement officer and politician, served as the U.S. representative for Michigan's 8th Congressional District, a Republican. He served from 2001 to 2015. From 2011 to 2015, he was chair of the United States House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. He is, fortunately for us, running for the United States Senate, and he brings with him an incredible treasure trove of experience, trustworthiness, and knowledge. And so I certainly wanted to speak with Mike about the the situation that we find our world in today. Mike, always a pleasure. Good afternoon. I hope Christy is well. Christy is well, Paul. I hope uh, all is well on uh, on your end as well. It is indeed. Okay, we have... We have the president in Israel. I, I didn't think it was a, a wise uh, trip, but, you know, he doesn't care what I think. But I, I didn't think it was doing anything. We didn't need to really do anything to alert the world to our 
standing with Israel. That's we stand with Israel, which is what, unfortunately, all the terrorists know, which is why they attack so often. But uh, with this ground war that's uh, about to be underway, my concern, and I need your professional uh, thought on this, I can't help but think that China and Russia are licking their chops and maybe even thinking the unthinkable that this could make an opening for them to make a, a horrific move on us. Well, I would like to say you're wrong, Paul, but I don't believe you are. And so this has been a long time in the making, uh, lots of really bad decisions, another bad decision showing up and then getting snubbed uh, by a Middle East leader while you're on the ground uh, trying to work through this problem set. So that didn't show strength for the United States. That showed complete weakness and candidly, if not incompetence. And this started when, the, and these are the same national security professionals, some are now even in Congress, that actually uh, helped uh, push forward on the Iran nuclear deal, uh, which was the, the deal for them was that they get to pursue their nuclear weapons, keep their Unbelievable. Uh, enriched uranium, and get cash. I mean, this, and what happened is that just set into motion a whole bunch of horrible things leading up that today, the, uh, the absolute abandoning of Afghanistan and the way they left and left people standing there with our equipment, our money, uh, and all of the problems of a terrorist organization, the Taliban, getting in charge again. Mm. I mean, all of these things matter. All of them have consequences. And it tells me when you show up and you don't, by the way, and we're huge supporters of some of those countries, uh, including the leader that said not doing it, um, I mean, it just, it's absolutely embarrassing. And what worries me most is it signals weakness. And when you signal weakness, to your point, Paul, is that, hey, Russia's going to take advantage. Uh, China is going to take advantage. Absolutely. They're already helping Iran in other ways. Uh, you know, this, this thing couldn't get any worse. Oh, and one just last point. I don't think a lot of listeners won't know this. So uh, Trump in 2018 put, put sanctions on their oil production of Iran effectively shutting it down, uh, which is what you wanted to do to starve them of cash they use for both terrorism uh, and their nuclear program. And guess what? Biden administration unleashed it because he stopped our oil production here in the United States. Uh, and now they produce more oil, the Iranians, than they did in 2018. Huge cash cow. And remember, that resulted in us having to send the president of the United States, went to Saudi Arabia to beg for oil. I mean, all of these things are coming to a point and a focus right now. They sure are. And uh, let's face it, we do not have the leadership at the top that gives anyone confidence that we are prepared to do whatever it is we have to do to first protect America and then protect our friends and allies like Israel. And with the, the him giving that threat, which has no teeth at all when he says, uh, Iran, you better not. You better not think about getting involved. They're already involved. They they were there from the beginning. They were there for the planning. But if Iran openly uh, attacks Israel, what do we do? I I, I don't know what the president thinks he's going to do. That headline I gave to my listeners yesterday about two thousand troops, you know, boots on the ground troops, called up and told to be ready. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's not a good place for us to be, honestly. There are other things we could do to make Iran's life miserable. And again, the first thing I do today is re-sanction their oil program. We have to stop that. Now, it, does it mean that Russia and China won't cheat and buy it anyway? Yep, it will. 
but we should get a lot more serious about putting pressure on both. Well, Russia we won't have much impact on today, but China we could have a tremendous impact on their ability to continue to finance, buy uh, their oil uh, from Iran. That is a big hurt for them. We need to understand that. Number two, there's other things that we can do. You know, there's if they're moving missiles and doing other things through Syria, those can be uh, great targets for us to disrupt Iran's ability to put a lot of hurt on Israel uh, in a way that doesn't directly engage the Iranians. And then we have, I'll just say, other capabilities that we could deploy to make their lives a little bit miserable. Um, and what you don't want to do is get sucked into a big ground war in the Middle East. That, oh boy. It, you know, over Israel, I mean, this is not where we need to be. And by the way, you avoid these kinds of things by being uh, demonstrating clear, strong, resolute leadership. It's pretty hard to say we've had any of that in the last three years. That is so true. Uh, you speak the truth, as always. How's the Senate race going, Michael? Uh, it's going great. We, we have been all over the state. Uh, we had just a record setting 15,000 signatures in a month uh, for, for us to get on the ballot. So we're, we're building out our grassroots campaign all over the state, having conversations with people about their issues and their concerns in Michigan. Uh, and it just feels right, and it feels good, and we're moving out. What's the uh, the, the website we should give our listeners to, rogersforsenate.com or something else? rogersforsenate.com. Get on there, get involved, send somebody to Washington, D.C. that takes Michigan common sense and gets busy on day one, no on-the-job training. <laughs> that, is well, that is well put. rogersforsenate.com. The vote is on now for the fiasco with the Republicans, the House Speaker vote. At this moment, Jordan, 79, Scalise, 4, McCarthy, 3, Jeffrey, 77, others, 5. Uh, I don't know if he can make it with these numbers, that Jordan can make it in the second vote. It doesn't look like it. Any quick thoughts? We've got to get our act together there. Uh, the House needs to come together on this. It is sending a horrible message to our adversaries and our friends overseas and certainly doesn't do much for those of us at home who have real issues to deal with. Candidate for the United States Senate and an all-round great guy, proven in so many ways, Mike Rogers. And you can find out more information and participate, join in, contribute, do whatever at rogersforsenate.com, rogersforsenate.com. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, sir. Look forward. We look forward to talking again, too. I, I know you were finishing your sentence there. It is uh, 1229 at WJR. Yeah, we mean that. Thank you. We appreciate it, especially uh, when you can actually be with us live from noon to two. But it's also great when you join us via the podcast that you find easily at thegreatvoice.com, thegreatvoice.com. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News correspondent and WJR contributor. And uh, we haven't talked to you in a while, Tanya. Nice to have you back with us. Hey, how are you doing? I am doing well. I was doing a little traveling and uh, back. Always good to be back home. Uh, mm -hmm. We have, uh, I guess you're following the uh, latest Donald Trump uh, situation. Yes, uh, this is the, the, the fraud trial in uh, here in Manhattan. And it's important to note that's the one that is the lawsuit that was brought by the New York Attorney General, Letitia James against uh, the former president and his company and basically says that it accuses them of deceiving banks and insurers and others by 
overvaluing his assets, inflating his net worth, putting all this on financial statements, you know, in order to, you know, get insurance or get loans or whatever. And that's that's what this centers around. That's this particular case. It's easy to get them confused, but that's the one we're talking about today. It is easy. There's so yeah. many. It is easy to get confused. And I'll tell you something else. Heck, way back when I lived in New York City in the 80s, uh, everybody knew that Donald Trump inflated his uh, estimated self-value, self-worth. And he got mad at people who, when he always claimed they understated, like if they didn't say he was a billionaire, he got really angry. And uh, so, I mean, it's nothing new. No, no, that's been that's been talked about for for ages. Um, I think the actual getting the uh, getting enough, I guess, getting us evidence to go to court with it is a whole different you know matter. Um, this is you know part of the testimony yesterday, as a matter of fact, was uh, from. Uh, Donna Kidder, who is, at least at one point, was a Trump company accountant, and she testified that she was told to make assumptions favorable to the Trump Trump organization on financial spreadsheets. In particular, she she said in court yesterday that when she was documenting the value of a Wall Street office building that was owned by the Trump organization, the then financial chief, Alan Weisselberg, who has had his own raft of legal issues and done time this year for other stuff related to some of his uh, doings with the Trump organization. He, she says he told her to act as if the skyscraper would be fully leased by a certain date, even if some of the space was vacant. And he, so basically they were like, even though there are vacancies in this building, we want you to put it down as it, if it will all sell out during a certain time frame mm. on financial statements. Mm. And that, that was part of her testimony yesterday. Um, the other big, big deal in this is we're supposed to at some point get testimony from um, the former fixer of the former president, of course, Michael Cohen, which is kind of where all this started. If you remember a few years ago when he was testifying to Congress and he, he was like, oh, wait till I tell you all about this. And he starts kind of, you know, giving information about him overvaluing certain assets in order to get better loans or get more insurance. or And then he would devalue others to keep from paying taxes on them. And, and everybody was like, wait, what? And that's sort of what started the ball rolling in this direction. Hmm. You know, it's interesting because he always said his assets, <laughs> he was famous for always saying his assets were actually undervalued. Because uh, we built something really beautiful, really special. Uh, you know, no one else has ever done this. Mm-hmm. All the same things we've all become used to Donald Trump. For me, for 40 years, he's been saying these things. But mm-hmm. I didn't realize until uh, I got headlong into this back in those New York days, whenever I saw Trump on uh, on a building, I thought that meant he owned that building. Well, that's not at all the case. Right. He sold no. the name Trump to go on lots mm-hmm. of products like he would on his uh his steaks or water or wine or whatever other things he had. He did the same thing with buildings. So you see a building and you go, wow, there's another Donald Trump building. No, there's another building that paid to be able to put Trump's name on it. Yes, there was a whole, when I moved here about 10 years ago, I remember riding down the West Side Highway thinking, because there was a, there's a whole string of huge buildings um, that kind of line the West Side Highway on the West Side of Manhattan that, you know, face the the Hudson River. Mm -hmm. And, they all had Trump on them. Like every every one of these huge like apartment <laughs> buildings and whatnot all had his name on them. And I was like, wait, does he own all of these? And it's like you said, you know, 
it, it kind of made a lot of people think, oh, well, that must be that must be part of the, the, the wealth. It was like you said, it was he put his name on everything he could possibly get it on. And he used that again to his advantage, which probably there yeah. are a number of people in business in New York and elsewhere that do whatever they can uh, to give themselves a, an advantage. And I'm sure uh, that there have been bookkeepers, accountants that have been told, like Donna Kidder, uh, to make some assumptions that are favorable to the company. And people do yeah, that, that to is, see if they yeah. get away with it. That is what we're hearing from some of this testimony, yeah. Um it's you know there are more people who are, are scheduled to to speak obviously like I said the, I think the big co- testimony is going to be when Cohen speaks um, because that's one of the I think that's one of the reasons that you know kind of it seems to be one of the reasons that the, the former president has shown up to court this week um, you know the I can only imagine the fireworks that would <laughs> will happen when both of those guys are in the same room yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's testimony there that that should be pretty interesting. When when do we guess that uh, the president will speak? Uh, I don't know when. I don't know if he's going to testify. Oh, he may uh, not even that, speak. Like I said, Cohen Cohen is supposed to testify. Well, Michael and, Cohen had to delay because yeah. of health reasons. So right. I'm, I'm wondering if he's worried right. about. I'm wondering if he's worried about his health. <laughs> I you know I don't know because the entire time since even like even since when he was put in in prison and like the all of this this whole time he has been basically saying. I can't wait to tell what I know. Um, you know, he has never really wavered off of that, at least not publicly. Um, you know, put out a book and and you know got sent back to prison, and <laughs> that was the whole the whole thing about that. You know, a few years ago during the pandemic, and so I mean, this has been just kind of wild to follow. Like you said, it's you've been following it for way longer than I have. Well, I I've just been following Trump for way longer. I don't follow all these things. I'd go crazy. If I followed every case that was brought up in the last uh, two, three years to try to keep him from being able to run for president again. And that's what negates all of it to me. It's all done for a very obvious reason. Most of these things existed for 30, 40 years and they weren't a problem until he wanted to run for reelection for president. And they're scared to death of him. Anyway, Tanya, how have you been? How's life? We haven't talked in such a while. We haven't. I haven't gotten a chance to, to chat with you. It's you know, things are things are pretty much the same. You know, just kinda kinda doing my thing, covering the news. Well, and you do it very well. And uh, I'll never Thank forget you. that you uh I don't remember what was going on, but you offered help to my uh, daughter Natalie, who's living in New York, and you said, Give her my uh information and if she ever needs anything, call me. So I, I I'll never forget that, Tanya. That that uh, random act of kindness on your part. Never will forget it. Thank you much. Anytime. Thank you. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News correspondent and WJR contributor. She's following the Trump trail. Ooh. Uh, And she's doing a nice job. As we continue on WJR at 1243. So glad to be together. Thank you for joining us. Sunny, beautiful day here. Of course, you can get us online at thegreatvoice.com. Get our podcasts if noon to two is not convenient for you. And uh, we'll stay on top of everything with you and for you, as does Marie Osborne. Now, another major hospital merger. Is it a merger for sure? Well, uh, it's going to get the story now here regarding Henry Ford Health and Ascension and Genesis Healthcare. Our WJR senior news analyst, Marie Osborne, says the announcement was made within the hour. Matter of fact, Marie, is this an actual 
merger? Well, we'll explain. They're they're calling it a merger, but we'll explain. It's a little more complicated that, than that. So this merger is going to create a joint venture, which will ultimately put all of Ascension Michigan's hospitals under the Henry Ford Health banner. The combo would employ about 50,000 people at more than 550 sites across the state. This is a no-cash deal and does include Genesis Hospitals along with an uh, addiction center that will all be renamed. The hospitals will all be operated by Henry Ford Health and include all of their current facilities. Henry Ford has stated that this is not an acquisition. So this is on behalf of Henry Ford saying that. Ascension Michigan will continue to operate its northern Michigan and southwest Michigan hospitals. The companies are making that disclosure in a press release. This deal has to get regulatory approvals and should be completed by next summer. Henry Ford announced a $3 billion plan to construct a new hospital tower and uh, here in Detroit and will completely redevelop its campus in the new center. Ascension has been scrambling financially. The St. Louis-based Catholic healthcare system reported a $3 billion operating loss during its fiscal year, and it has been working to sell off its assets. In February of 2022, Beaumont Hospital and Spectrum merged, forming Michigan's largest healthcare system. So that system is 22 hospitals, uh, and several outpatient locations and 64,000 employees. That merger was rebranded under the Corwell Health banner, Paul W. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now you've added another player. Um, man, that's a, a little hard to follow, but clearly stated, Henry Ford Health and Ascension Michigan have signed an agreement to enter a joint venture bringing together Ascension Southeast Michigan and Genesis Healthcare facilities and assets with Henry Ford's. And this will allow, obviously, what they're hoping for, allowing both organizations to advance the health of the communities they serve, improve the outcomes, access and equity for all by establishing an integrated network focused on population, health, and community initiatives that support the region's most vulnerable populations, as well as innovation Academic medicine, advanced complex care. Under what I'm hearing here, um, all of these now will be folded under the the Henry Ford Health uh, umbrella with Robert Riney as president and CEO. That is correct. So yep. it's it, under it, the uh, Henry sadly, Ford banner. The first thing that I thought of was uh, Bob Eaton saying. It's a merger of equals. I know. Which we all it never was. That. Yeah, and it wasn't. Re- yeah, we all remember that. Yep. yep. It wasn't a merger of equals, yeah. nor, nor is this one a merger of equals. But, you know, mm-hmm. whatever they say, they have to say, and they do. What it means is, to me, our neighbors down the road from the Fisher Building are just getting stronger and stronger as they continue toward that incredible new facility that will be so good for everyone. Absolutely. It'll be a big shot in the arm for this entire new center area, which is, I think, one of the most beautiful areas in the city. So it'll be a wonderful addition. And this will definitely be a big addition in terms of personnel and actual facilities around southeast Michigan. Correct. And it will be, again, what I've said a few times, I'll say it again and again. We live in a city that's big enough that we shouldn't have to leave the area when we get some kind of a complex medical issue. You know, I had Absolutely. to do that growing up in Monroe, and that was going without saying. It was a small town. We had a nice hospital, but they weren't going to, they were going to ship us out to 
uh, Detroit or Toledo if there was a big problem. And, you know, Detroiters shouldn't have to be shipped out to anywhere. Absolutely. And and we don't have to be. Mm -hmm. So, meanwhile, do you hit the snooze bar? Uh, yeah, I do a little bit. I do too. And I uh, see you re- you you hesitated because, like me, you've been made to feel like we're losers Guilty. or something. Guilty. Yeah, there's no guilt here. In <laughs> fact, there's a Swedish study out. Kim just sent me yep. that shows it may be good that you're hitting the snooze bar. It's certainly good for me. It's good to hit the snooze bar. Maybe yep. we'll get into this a little later. How about peppers? Do you like peppers? I I, I do. I like red and yellow peppers, the sweeter versions. You of probably peppers. would not like Pepper X, oh, which no. just broke the Guinness no. World Record Mm-mm. for the hottest pepper on eh. earth. No. Why would you eat that? No. I don't know. I mean, I think it can do damage to your mouth and I, I don't your know. insides elsewhere. Oh my goodness You know what I gracious. mean? Yeah. Ooh. Think of it going in and then think of it. Oh, never okay. mind. We're out of time. Thank We're you. We're done. Thank you. Thank you, Marie. Marie Osborne here with Paul W. on WJR. And we're glad we're together. Good afternoon to you. I hope you're having a splendid day and you're on your way to making this a great one. As you certainly know that you got to make each and every day count. Each day is a gift. And this one is an especially nice gift. Um, just uh, going into the news, we talked about hot peppers and talked to Marie. Rieger, you you impressed me. I have no reason to say this through personal experience with you, but I you impressed me as a guy who might like hot peppers. Not really. No? No. Nah. Okay. Not really. I, uh, no. <laughs> not I, really? No. No. For sure, no. Okay, yeah. me neither. I'm not a big... My brother Mark loved hot peppers. And I, I just, I never quite understood them. I saw people eat peppers and they, they would make them sweat. My friend Tommy Romer's uh, older brother, Todd Romer, would go to a place called Loma Linda's in Toledo, a fabulous Mexican restaurant. Still might be there, I don't know. And he would eat hot peppers and he would perspire heavily. We'll say not sweat. We won't say sweat. We'll say perspire heavily. Anybody who I've ever seen eat a really hot pepper does that and can, and can people actually, they can burn their mouth, can I mean, can't I've they? seen the, the ghost pepper challenge and, and you know, stuff like that. Uh, and it's, uh, and there's that, uh, there's that show that's on, um, what's it I, called? I don't know. Hot ones, where they just go through different stages of hot sauces that you put on stuff and they see how long the people can last. So it's, yeah. you know, and they have it, milk it, standing so, yeah, by so or it's bread a, it's, or so something. It's a, it's a thing. It is a thing, and there are many things out there that I don't understand. This is another one of those things. And apparently the last hottest pepper uh, was the Carolina Reaper. <laughs> that sounds, yeah. that sounds right. like uh, one hot pepper. Yeah. Uh, and the new hot pepper champion is uh, a crossbreed known as Pepper X that just broke the Guinness World Record on the hottest pepper on Earth. It clocks in. At, at over 2.6 million Scoville heat units. I don't know what that means, yeah. but it means it's hot. That's how they, uh, that's how they measure it in, the, in food. And, in uh, fact, uh, the Carolina uh, Reaper was a million below that. It was 1.6 million yeah. the previous right. This must be unbelievably hot. Now, how do they... Well, I guess they test it with a machine. They, you can't tell on your tongue right. if something's 2.6 million Scoville heat units or only 1.6. Anyway, both peppers were developed by the same man. I never even knew there was such a thing as a pepper breeder. 
But the pepper breeder and expert, Ed Curry, created the Carolina Reaper and now the Pepper X to outdo himself. It looks like it, looks like it would hurt if you held it in your hand. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it hurts your lips and other things, too. So a lot of people will wear gloves when they're uh, eating them. Oh, my God. Here's well, I can come up with this rule immediately. Never eat a food you have to wear gloves to eat. Yeah. Although I bet people, uh, maybe when they're doing crabs or something and they're breaking the shells, they maybe somebody maybe put gloves on. Hey, here's a story that's in a sense close to home. A uh, long time ago, this radio station, which was owned at the time, it was known as one of the ABC owned and operated radio stations. We got bought out by Disney, the Walt Disney Company. And what Disney was really wanting at the time was this new channel called ESPN because it was a gold mine. It was, it was a license to print money. That's what ESPN was in the beginning. That's why they bought all of ABC, including our radio stations. Now, years have gone by. They sold the radio station. They sold a lot of stuff. But now Disney is looking to sell ESPN. What happened? Too many, too many other sports networks. Too many other ways to get Exa- sports. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. Got so, uh, a lot, lot of different choices. ESPN's had layoffs for uh, for years now, uh, and then most recently. Uh, a couple months back, big names getting laid off, too. People that were doing well still Just got laid off. Big names, yeah. Well, so now they're saying that uh, that Disney could sell ESPN or part of it to Apple or Verizon. Ooh. That seems unusual, doesn't it? No. I could see Apple. Doesn't? Get, I could see Apple getting into that. Apple the, maybe the, because they have other programs. Have what TV is Verizon? Verizon? Verizon, too. I could see that, too. Sure. Really? Just because they have the money, or of course, yeah. Okay, I have a question for you though. Have you ever heard of a green or a natural or natural burial? Oh God, no, I haven't. But I'm, I'm, I'm. Things are flashing before my eyes. So a, a natural or green burial. Yeah, so there's a story out of Colorado. Nearly 200 bodies have been removed from a Colorado funeral home. For they, they've accused it of improperly storing the bodies. This funeral home in Penrose, Colorado, called the Return to Nature Funeral Home. Oh, God. Okay? They have what is called, the, the funeral home is known, green or natural burials without using embalming chemicals or metal caskets. Uh-huh. So the green burial costs like almost $2,000. It doesn't include the casket or cemetery space. And green burials are legal in Colorado. But the state requires that any body not buried within 24 hours be properly refrigerated. Well, they had 200 bodies removed from this funeral home because they were not properly taken care of. Uh, the, I've never no way, heard of There's this. no way to put this, uh, yeah. the odor. Yeah, that, that's what happened. It was the odor that, that they, <sighs> they started investigating because there was a, uh, reports of an odor in early October. Oh now, well, the whole idea of this green or natural, exactly. you know, it's it's been carried on, uh, ad infinitum to so many areas. What it means in this business, uh, by these, uh, I, I presume, irreputable people, is they don't have to spend any money doing anything to prepare the body, and they're still going to charge you. 
Right. $1,895 for the cost of the green burial. It does not include the casket or the cemetery space. Jeez. They're just shoveling a body into a box for 1800 bucks. Basically, yeah. That is sick. Please, don't buy all natural, green, or, uh, or any, don't, all the words that are special now and used uh, to, to bury someone that you love. I mean, it, it doesn't matter to the loved one. They've moved on. And you're just subject to the all families kinds of, ways of these people being... have to be uh, not happy right now. I well, mean... hearing this story, they're not happy. Yeah, just... <laughs> they, they're not happy once they hear this story. This is not good. <laughs> nobody likes to get duped, but I think there should be special punishment for people who dupe people at their time of need. You know, at a time when they're going, when they're grieving, because we're all very vulnerable at that time. Right. And and. You know, nobody, nobody. What a crazy story. It is. Well, the world is is made up of crazy stories, and it's not our imagination. They are getting crazier and uh, crazier. Hey, you know, uh, different people along the way have said uh, we should have a much simpler tax system, like we could do it on a postcard, a flat yeah. tax, 10%, whatever it might be. I've always been for that, understanding that this could put millions of people out of work. The people that work at H&R Block or Intuit or TurboTax or Intuit's TurboTax, whatever. I always thought, okay, maybe that's why they don't do it. Well, no, because guess what? The IRS is building its own free tax filing program right, yeah. that, if successful, would serve as an alternative to private tax preparation companies and affect H&R Block, Intuit's TurboTax, and others. I saw that. It's getting tested in like 13 states. Yeah. Yes. I saw that. Just go to the postcard. Just make it a 10% flat tax for everybody. It'd be so much simpler. And guys like me who sweat it out to the extension time of filing taxes would, would not be sweating so much. I'd still have it screwed up some way or another. But it wouldn't be as bad. A simplified tax program should be lauded by everyone. All right. Uh, music's playing, if, unless you're listening on the podcast, thegreatvoice.com. And we know you're there, and we love you for being there. Uh, otherwise, we're hearing music, which means it's time for the break. And when we come back, the one and only interim president of Michigan State University, Teresa Woodruff. We're looking forward to the conversation up next. Ah, the green and white MSU, the Spartans of MSU, a great uh, fight song indeed. And we've got a conversation now that's important that we're going to go over. Uh, some of, obviously, sad memories, but we need to deal with some of these things, and, and that's what we're doing right now. Security Risk Management Consultants was hired by Michigan State University in April to review the university's response to the shooting that left those three students dead, Ariel Anderson, Brian Frazier, Alexandria Werner, and then five critically injured. Uh, MSU has released the full report, the external investigation, finding in favor of Michigan State University's response to the mass shooting on campus and that the actions were appropriate, timely, and correct and uh, nothing can make us feel good about what happened, but at least we can feel good that we did all we could do by the book and then some to protect all of the students. And no one happier about that than interim president at Michigan State University, uh, President Teresa Woodruff. Madam President, welcome back to the Paul W. Smith Show. 
Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. I am, first of all, so sorry. Uh, you have dealt with more issues and more burdens than most presidents of any university ever, let alone as an interim uh, president. You've made the decision and the announcement that you're not running for the full-time job. But you've hung in there and done the best you could on all of these things. And I know we can't really talk about the very sad, unfortunate, and unnecessary story of Coach Mel Tucker, because that's an ongoing legal situation. But man, oh, man, Madam President, do you ever feel like I I just want to go to bed and wake up and have this nightmare be over? But, you know, what I tell our students is, uh, and they've had a number of matters that they've had to deal with that are over and above uh, most college-age students. And so when I talk to them, I say, you know, they have buckets that are heavier than most. And I wish I could take some of those matters away from them, that they wouldn't have had to go through, for example, the uh, tragedy in, in February of last year. But I can't take that away from them. But what I can do is come side by side, put my hands next to them, and, and carry that bucket with them. And so to our students, uh, I've told them they need to take courage from what they've learned and be able to go out into the world with that Spartan courage and, and help change the world around them. And I truly believe that despite the heaviness of some of the load for our students, they will be those agents of change. And that's what gives me hope every day. And I'm excited every day to get up and uh, serve uh, Michigan State and all of the excellence that is all around us every day. God bless you. You are showing to be, you are the right person at the right time. And uh, that's so important and so necessary, Madam President. I, I salute you for what you just said. It makes me want to cry. Well, thank you. <sighs> Meanwhile, give me some of the details from this uh, this firm and their recommendations to even further strengthen campus safety mm-hmm. and security and as well as bolster future responses to emergency events. Can you share some of those with us? Yes, I'd be happy to. And I, I think, as you uh, said in the out, at, at the outset, what we uh, asked them to do in this after-action review was to really review what was expected to happen, what actually occurred, what went well and why, and what we can improve and how. And uh, it was an independent review that allowed us to really get um, uh, a, an outside uh, an expert assessment of Michigan State. So I do appreciate that it was very comprehensive and um, I am pleased that the response of the university in what was can only be described as unpredictable and chaotic that stretched every one of us across campus, uh, that in, indeed they said the initial response was appropriate and that the response of our police and other police agencies was efficient and effective. There are a number of recommendations uh, that they gave us, and we'd already been working on many of those and continue to work uh, with the matters that they've identified, including looking at our recruiting and hiring efforts within uh, the uh, police department, looking at our family assistance center and uh, ensuring that we have the right support there, uh, and the ways in which we're training uh, across all parts of the institution. We're a learning environment, and so I embrace the ways in which we need to all continue to be learning how to work in these kinds of situations and then take that learning and perhaps never use it again here on this campus, but be able to share that 
with other uh, campuses and other places as, as uh, this violence continues across, across the U.S. I know messages, emergency messages went out on email, and then mm-hmm. it became obvious that maybe the better way to do it along with email would be texting because people have their phones with them and tend to see a text coming in many times uh, faster than an email coming in. But what do you do in a situation for emergency notifications in places where phones are banned? Well, we have a number of different methods that we're working now uh, on campus. Audible um, tones are going to be used, and these uh, are being broadcast through both through existing uh, systems that we have, and we're extending the range of what people can hear in different uh, settings. Uh, uh, we're um, changing the ways in which we coordinate across um, the various um, person structures in the institution. So we're making sure that we're able to communicate in new and more facile ways. Excellent. Well, uh, congratulations under tough circumstances. Uh, we, we at least look to see that the university reacted and responded the best way they could. And now, uh, because of this information, because of this uh, security risk management consultants are going to even have other ways to make sure we respond. God willing, we never have to respond again. But Right. If if that happened, there's even more uh, information now on how to handle these things, and I, I I think you've you've made Michigan State one of the safest campuses in the country at this point. I'm sorry that you had to go through what you went through. On another quick note, not nearly as important, but it is what's happening this weekend. There happens to be a pretty big football game, Madam President. There does, yes. <laughs> there happens to be. Um, uh, what are you thinking? Well, you know, I talked with Harlan Barnett, who's really uh, knit together our students, student athletes in a way that I think is really quite remarkable. And they have been competing and really uh, raising their Spartan helmets high. I'm very proud of them. I spoke with him earlier today, told him how proud we are of him at midweek. And I asked him for the three keys of the game uh, for um, this week. And he said, we've got to be smart, which is really great for a president to hear because I completely applaud the smart uh, kind of play. Uh, we've got to be fast and we've got to really work together. And that um, being collaborative uh, and being smart about what you're doing, I think, is going to be part of the uh, engine for the success. Uh, no matter what they score is at the end of the day, our students or athletes are going to be successful on the on the field uh, on Saturday at Spartan Station and, uh, Stadium and I think in the field of life. That's a great way to put it. One last thing. The headline from Tony Paul in the Detroit News, police step-up game for U of M MSU showdown. After, this is the first time the teams have met since the, the infamous tunnel incident, and it's the first game where alcohol is being legally consumed uh, all day for a night game. This is your opportunity with this really large megaphone to say something as the president of the university, to say something to the visiting Wolverines and to the homebound Spartans about their activity and what's expected of them at a game like this Saturday so it doesn't become another kind of story. Anything you'd like to say to them? Well, we want everyone to have a good time and be safe and smart, just like our team will be. President Ono will be with me uh, for uh, the game, and uh, he and I both look forward to good competition and good behavior by everyone on both sides of of the ball. Interim President, Michigan State University, Teresa Woodruff. Madam President, keep up the good work. 
Thank you so much. Really appreciate being with you. Well, we love having you here as we continue on News Talk 760 WJR. Paul W. Smith, it feels like I'm talking with people I haven't talked to in a long time, but this is an old friend who I haven't talked to in a long time. He's the president and CEO of the Detroit Regional Chamber. That's Sandy Barua. Hi, Sandy. Paul, it has been a minute, but I've been enjoying listening to you in your new afternoon time slot and just love the success you're having later in the day. Well, I'm loving sleeping in, that's for sure. Getting some sleep, more than three hours, maybe four. So it was uh, difficult, but the right move. And uh, you have come out with some information from our friends at Anderson Economic Group. Uh, and they they have a special report that kind of is is based on you, your help, and the information that you use to do the great job that you're doing. So can you... Can you share with us this latest uh, Anderson Economic Report? Yeah, well, certainly I'm not going to take credit for the great work uh, that our friends at Anderson Economic Group do. And they have been issuing a weekly report since the beginning of the strike of the economic impact that the strike is damaging uh, our economy. And the latest Anderson Economic Group number is $7.7 billion dollars of economic loss and already that is already and frankly that's already several days old so you know i would say that that number is rapidly you know approaching the 10 billion dollar mark but the point i want to make about uh this great data from the anderson economic group is that only about half of that number if it's 7.7 billion or if it's 10 billion only half of that number is the OEMs directly. The rest of it are the smaller suppliers that don't get strike pay, that have much more fragile uh, operating financial conditions, barbershops, restaurants, barkeeps, you know, all the service providers, all the businesses around these plants that are on strike. That is half roughly of the economic damage so you know the uaw and sean Payne may be trying to take it to the man at the uaw but they're hitting you know the common man uh you know uh that are part of our communities you know we've tried to make this point it doesn't much matter what we say but nobody wins in a strike like this and as each day goes by it's less likely that even the workers out on the line who get some big increases are going to make up for what they've lost it's well, you just know, what i'm go ahead yeah i'm sorry yeah i know i'm sorry paul w i you know i would say this i i'm getting a little i'm wondering what the strike is about now you know they wanted really big pay wages they they're getting it they're getting 20 plus uh percent pay wages they wanted you know uh, a vast reduction or even the elimination of the tier system they got that they got some working condition things. You know, these are already these hardworking UAW folks that put together the cars that you and I love and drive are already the best paid manufacturing auto workers in the world. We're going to make them even more the best paid manufacturing auto workers in the world uh, after this. So I'm wondering, why are we in week five of, of this? I mean, how much is is enough. And, you know, the other point we're trying to make is, you know, we have to be concerned about Michigan and our auto 
industry's long-term competitiveness. We got to compete with China. We got to compete with, you know, uh, cars built in Mexico. We got to compete with obviously our Japanese and really strong Korean competition. Uh, they're making fantastic cars all around the world. It's no longer just us. You know, it, it, I, I don't know how you get the point across, frankly, but it should get your attention when, for example, Tavares at Stellana says we may have to we may have to sell the world headquarters there of Stellanus in Auburn Hills. I mean, I know we'd love to dump that place because it's a huge expense that nobody needs anymore, and it's running the risk of being the next Kmart world headquarters only in Auburn Hills. And they don't understand that Stellanus, for one, and maybe even others, are not married to staying in Detroit or even in these United States. It is an international business with incredible international competition. When we decided to go all in with EV, we took away our 100-plus year advantage because we had the internal combustion engine and we had all these companies. Now we're going up against companies without legacy costs, without the per-hour costs, and they're making some pretty doggone good cars. I don't think people understand where we are here and where will Detroit be without the auto industry. Amen. Thanks, Sandy. Best to Lisa. I hope we see you soon. Take care, my friend. Be well. All right. 144 at WJR. The show on this sunny, beautiful Wednesday. Glad you're along with us. If you can't be here live from noon to 2, you can catch the whole show at thegreatvoice.com. Thegreatvoice.com or individual podcasts if you want to hear uh, any of the individual interviews, or again, like I say, the whole show. Hey, don't forget this Friday, Guy Lloyd and Jamie for the WJR Mornings will be at uh, Huntington Place, as will I be, uh, to uh, MC once again the big uh, event for the Detroit Goodfellows. You can go uh, DetroitGoodfellows.org and get information and maybe even still get tickets, DetroitGoodfellows.org. The Goodfellows this year will be Arn and Nancy Tellum from the Pistons organization, and so much more. I've not known a couple that's moved here from the West Coast and become Michiganders as quickly and as strongly as Arn and Nancy Tellum have, and they will be lauded this Friday morning on WJR and in person at Huntington Place, the DetroitGoodfellows.org. Hope you can join us there. All right, Evan Brown, Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor. There is a new news, Fox News poll with, it says, increasing numbers think Joe and Hunter Biden did something illegal. 40% think Joe Biden did something illegal in his son's business dealings. Well, slowly but surely, they're catching up to reality. And Eben Brown is on top of the story. Hi, Eben. Good morning or good afternoon. How are you? I understand the good morning. I almost said good morning, Evan. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you kind of have the, the crux of it there. You know, there's an increase in the number of people, according to our polling, who now believe Joe Biden had some kind of illegal dealings going on vis-a-vis his son and foreign nations. That number has crept up now to 40 percent. It was at 38 percent just uh, just in August. And um, uh, with that, uh, it was 35% a year ago, December, so December 20 of uh, 22. Uh, so why would these numbers go up? And, and that's the big question. And I think the, the answer to that is a couple of things. There's been a lot more news coverage over, over this, where it had been rather 
silent or even scuttled in the past. And I think part of that is focused on the Hunter Biden laptop. It is now quite evident that some uh, very elite members of the U.S. intelligence community banded together uh, to promote this idea that the Russian uh, there was Russian disinformation campaigns uh, leading to this idea of a laptop that may or may not have existed. It's now been overwhelmingly proved the laptop exists and its contents were verifiable. Uh, and that uh, that may have changed some of the, the tenor of, of this whole conversation. And then, of course, the idea that uh, Hunter Biden almost got uh, a sweetheart plea deal, which was blown up by a federal judge. Uh, and that caused a lot of people to actually have to pay attention to some of this stuff <laughs> uh, that uh, with, with that, perhaps maybe there is at least a, a changing uh, opinion of the president's involvement uh, or alleged involvement. Uh, also uh, going up over that same time period, December 22, August of 23, and now uh, the number of people who think Hunter Biden himself has been engaged in illegal activities, that number now at 52%. The same poll, I do want to bring it up for fairness here, at 52% say that uh, Donald Trump has done something illegal. Um, so I, I don't necessarily want to cast this as a partisan, you know, this side, that side kind of thing. Uh, but it may just be that people are taking more notice, especially as we get closer to the first of the year and then the eventual Iowa caucuses and New Hampshire primary and South Carolina primary when uh, when these races really do heat up and people begin to pay more and more attention to it, not just people like us who are sort of paid to do that. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, well, it's just it's the truth. You know, no, most it is the truth, except I ignore it as best I can. <laughs> Most people kind of, you know, through the three years in between presidential elections, they they try to go about their business. Uh, but um, <laughs> but I think people are paying a bit more attention now that we're getting closer to the cycle beginning yet again. What to say? Well, you're right. You're right, Eben. I think you're absolutely right. More, 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 well, that more was people. easy. <laughs> it was. I mean, I, I don't know what these people are missing. I don't know how they can miss all this. It's as, as plain as the nose on our face. It's just there. And if they say, well, so what? He's our president, and we support him, and we're going to continue to support him, and we're going to pretend he isn't slipping cognitively, and we're going to do all that stuff, good. I, those same people, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I'm telling you, how could those same people support a guy who lets his dog bite 12 people before he does something about it? And those are just 12 people we know about. Those yeah. people, those liberal people who say he's our president, he's doing a great job. I support him all the way. How could they? They wouldn't support a neighbor. They wouldn't support a family member who kept a dog that bit 12 or more people before doing anything about it. And this dog was biting people who were paid to put their lives up against bullets to save the president. Oh, don't get me started. I don't get those people. I fear I already have got you started, but <laughs> yeah. But now, now the show's over, and I, I got to do this all. I, I know, I know. I'll go to the refrigerator. I'll open the door. A light will come on, and I'll continue with my monologue. There you go. Best Thank place you. for it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Evan. God bless you. Thank you, Evan Brown, Fox News. Stand by for news, and of course, WJR Afternoon with Chris Renwick. One of these days, I'm going to get to talk to Chris again. You want to go out and make it a great rest of the day, making each and every day count. Because, as you know, each day is a gift. Look forward to being with you tomorrow, noon to 2. Regards, Paul W. Smith.